Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. She is a, I want to start with the ordained minister part because that, I just love that. Um, And a psychologist. You know her as Dr. Robin. Let me welcome back to the show, Dr. Robin Smith. Welcome. Oh, muted. You're muted, fearless one. You are muted. You're muted. I'm sorry. My That's goodness. Okay. I mean, I, I spent my life trying to have my voice. So I don't, and isn't that interesting that sometimes we mute ourselves in life mm-hmm. and don't know that some of our needs could be met but we have shut down our voice because we've been so accustomed to other people not listening. So thank you for telling me that you couldn't hear me. I want to be heard. Oh, you will find out all the things from me. That's the one malady I never had. I'd never, ever, I could not keep quiet. You could ask my mother who would try to twist my lips off. Anyway, Dr. Smith, I'm having flashbacks right now. Shut up. (laughs) Um, we're in a particular time and I wanted you to come on like after the election and all of this stuff to suss through all of this cognitive dissonance that we're having this, this, uh, and I know there's a psychological, like America has a, like a mental illness, uh, where we don't want to accept facts. We don't want to accept people. We don't want to accept reality. Where does that reside in our medulla or is it in the medulla? Is it someplace else? Where is that space of, yeah, well, it's interesting you say that, and I'm hoping you're going to be reading something from me sometime soon about this, because um, America is sick. Um, we are sick, and it is a disease. It's a heart disease, and it's a mind disease. We've been brainwashed, um, and as you said, to not like people, to think that um, there are people, particularly black and brown people, who were Uh, who it was said that we were only three-fifths a human being. And one would have to ask, how did that even work? You know, how is it possible that for those of us um, of African descent, that it was said and believed? And that's what's so dangerous about it, is that it became the real pandemic long before COVID-19. So, you know, part of the illness is around denial and around uh, not wanting to share power. I heard when I was listening to some of your other callers, this issue of home ownership, um, the ability to have agency and navigate our lives, whether it's medically or psychologically and certainly financially. When you take that away from someone, and you say that you've done it because they are not uh, worthy of it. You know, I was just, I did a talk for a corporation a couple of days ago. And one of the things I was, and I was talking about race, about race and uh, belonging and othering, how we make people other than us. And then when we don't um, see them like a human being or see them as worthy, we can ascribe uh, any kind of treatment to them. And one of the things I talked about on uh, on Monday with this group had to do with how it is that we could make people believe a lie. You know, Dr. King said in his uh, speech in Alabama, uh, the Capitol, and when I saw you last, Karen, who would have thought, yes, an election and Georgia was 
going to be, uh, you know, running at the beginning of January. But who would have thought that our state, I mean, that the, the capital of the United States would have been overtaken? Um, it doesn't surprise me because there were, you know, there was a lot of intelligence about it. But Dr. King said in 1965 in Alabama, in Mississippi, pardon me, that uh, he said, you know, no lie can live forever. Mm. And I think that is so powerful that no lie in our lives, whether it is a structural lie of racism or some of the lies that have been in our families that we've been living out, that no lie can live forever. And so I think part of what is happening to America is we are coming apart at the seams because the seams were never sewn with integrity. Mm. And so the lie is falling apart. And I would say, thank God for that, that the lie is falling apart. Um, there's a, a book written by a Buddhist monk, a woman, her name is Pema Chodron, and she has a book called When Things Fall Apart. And one of the things she talks about, and I talk to people about all the time, is many of us have, we should have stock in crazy glue, because we are crazy gluing our marriages, our friendships, our health. We're pretending to be well when we are sick. And so America has been crazy gluing itself along the way. And at this point, our report card came in and we are failing. We're not, we're not getting Ds or Cs. We just simply are failing. And the sooner we own our failure, the better we can recover. You know, when we talk about truth and reconciliation in any area, but race in particular, I keep hearing people say, you know, we need to, we need to heal. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, but you can't heal from something that you haven't been willing to own and diagnose. So how in the world would I be in recovery from a drug addiction if I'm not owning that I'm an addict? How can I make my money work for me if I don't tell the truth about my inability or unwillingness to be mindful and responsible with my money. And so America cannot cure itself. It can't heal itself from something that it is unwilling to own. You know, you mentioned truth and, and reconciliation, and I'm always fascinated by uh, post-genocidal societies and the steps that these post-genocidal societies have to engage in in order to reconcile what happened. Because if you are part of the Hutu community or the Tutsi community, you're not all leaving. You're not all moving away. You're, you're, you're essentially stuck there. You're rooted there, I should say. Um, and you had been for centuries, millennia before the inf influence of white supremacy through colonization. And you have to still be able to coexist and coincide. Same thing we see in South Africa, uh, post uh, uh, Nazi Germany era. And so I'm, I'm fascinated by the concept of post genocidal societies that actually take honest steps towards truth and reconciliation. Yes. I don't see the same, as you say, integrity 
and intentionality in reconciling what has happened here. I, I see the, the further perpetuation of it. And I, I guess what is, because you, I think you might have more optimism about this than I do. So I'm looking for some hope, Dr. Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your what are your projections or, or, or predictions about the ability for this country, the, the capacity for this country yeah. to engage in the type of internal excavation that has to happen in order for us to get to that space? You know, it's a wonderful um, point and perspective, and I certainly understand your lack of hope. Um, as I sat and watched um, all of what has been happening, but certainly what happened at the Capitol that five people are dead and many other people are injured. Um, And it could have been a a bloodbath, Mm. um, absolute bloodbath. And so the question that you're posing is, are we ready to do the work? I mean, that's really what we're talking about. Are we ready to do the work? And what would that work look like? So America is an arrogant country. Mm. I mean, I'm American. I was born here. I have been privileged in many ways because of that. And um, not but and I'm also aware that we have a very hard time honoring and acknowledging our shadow. I mean, that's the stuff about us that we don't like. And we all have that. I mean, there are things about us in our personal lives, uh, hopefully, that we are becoming more aware of as people so that we can work on ourselves. I mean, that's how you work on a marriage. It's how you work on a friendship. It's how you work on something between uh, colleagues at work. But you can't work on something that you are in denial of. And so a piece of this, and I, the reason I hold hope uh, for the country is because we are melting down faster than anyone could imagine. Mm-hmm. And so my, my perspective about meltdowns and explosions and implosions is that that is the time when real transformation is possible in a life, in a family, in a marriage, if it is ever going to happen, it happens when things really fall apart. So I don't think we've hit bottom yet. And one might say, Dr. Robin, what do you mean we've not hit bottom? Could it get worse? Of course it can. I mean, we had brother George Floyd uh, murdered and we watched his breath leave him. Uh, We watched his life force leave him and his life became even more meaningful. I, you know, sometimes I think that, uh, particularly around racism, is that if someone understood what taking a life might mean for that life becoming larger than life, they may have let him live. Hmm. Because his death and the way he died, begging for his breath, gave life to a movement that would not happen had that police officer taken his knee off of his neck. So he gave his life, his life was taken, but then it called forth into the villages and the tribes and our communities and our neighborhoods all around the globe calling us to action. And so what I believe is happening is that this is a moment of opportunity The more we melt down, 
the more as a trauma surgeon, meaning for the heart and soul, not a physical surgeon, but for the unseen injuries of life, I believe that this could be a beginning, a beginning, a reckoning of the parts of our history, what we've done to Native Americans. I mean, they were here before we were uh, captured and brought here. And so there's a lot of work around trauma. I also want to remind us that traumatized people, and this is everyone, I mean, this is just not black people or brown people or red people, it's white people too, but traumatized people, untreated traumatized people, and people who do not know they are traumatized are dangerous. Mm. Wow. And that's part of why the former president was dangerous. This may not be a particularly uh, popular thing I'm about to say, but he is, he was and is so damaged that he was capable of damaging anyone and everyone. Mm -hmm. And so if we understand that the house of evil often abides in very traumatized, damaged people. It hurt doesn't, people. It's, it's hurt right. people, hurt people. That's the phrase that we hear, Absolutely. but we don't really internalize hurt people, hurt people, because when those hurt people are hurting people, we usually don't give a damn about their hurt because we're experiencing the hurt on the other side. Whatever your hurt is, you're going to have to deal with it. Cause you out here right now, destroying everything. Right. But what we don't know is when we elect people, and that's why I've said that we, I mean, whoever is in the White House needs to have been in therapy, needs mm -hmm. to be in therapy mm -hmm. when they are in that office. It ought to be mandatory. Come on now. But if you want to have the power to push a button and answer a phone and say, get ready, go to a nuclear war, surely you should have examined and be in active examination about your mommy and daddy issues mm. and wounds. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lori, wait, hold on. Let me give out the number. 866-801-8255. And if, uh, you know, Dr. Robin's here. She's going to be here for the duration of the show uh, today. So call up so that is being true and i accept, fully accept everything you just said as truth and I, I thank you for that because a lot of times i ask these questions and then i feel like the responses get us like 10 percent of the way there and i feel like you just that that was a perfect crystallization for me of the things that we should come to expect from leadership how do mm -hmm. we take that same lesson and apply it to a marriage apply it to a relationship uh, with a parent with a, a, a sister a sibling uh whatever our interpersonal relations in the workplace because i think that we see mm -hmm. one of the things I, I think that that this may also be unpopular that was so attractive to some people about our ex-president and he will never be you know what i don't he who shall not be named the ex um is that he was a mirror for so many traumas that so many people who are aligned with him are also experiencing how do we recognize that we too can be carriers of that type of of not just having been abused or victimized but also then victimizing and perpetrating that abuse on others how do we take that lesson that gem that you just laid out about the presidency and apply that to our own day-to-day -day interactions and relationships yeah. it's a it's a wonderful um 
moment. I was thinking, and I think about these things obviously all the time, but just today I was out in between, it's been a jam packed week for me. And I thought, okay, I wanna get outside and just get some air and walk. So I was telling myself, you know, should I, shouldn't I, I only have a few minutes. And, and I thought, okay, practice what you preach, which is put your own mask on, um, you know, take care of yourself so that I could be present to you and not be like the walking dead tonight where I'm here, but I'm not really here where I show up, but I'm not really present. And so one of the things I thought about on this quick uh, walk had to do with how much we blame people for what is not working in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, how much responsibility we put at the foot or feet of someone else because we really don't want, again, to look at our shadow and to ask, there's one question to ask, at least to begin this conversation, which is what is my contribution to this mess? Mm. What is my contribution to this suffering? What is my contribution to my own ache? Because if it is only about the other, a, it requires them to change for me to be free. So that's a real problem because that means I have to depend on you right. for my freedom. And that's a problem. And that's number one. Number two is that if I have to depend on you, then you own me because you then can make my day and you can break it. You can make my life and my moment and you can destroy it. And so... The question I would ask everyone who is listening and watching and, and being with us in this moment is what is it that, and this isn't to blame you, but it is to say that all of us are victim and perpetrator. And many of us only want to see the part of ourselves that is victim. He didn't, she didn't, my mother did, I get it. I mean, I have a family. My mother just died eight months ago. Um, she had a vibrant, extraordinary life. She was uh, fiery and beautiful and uh, lived about 10 minutes for me. That was sometimes too close and sometimes too far. And I say that because her mother lived to be 108 and a half, my grandmother, uh, the daughter of a freed slave. My mother died at 98. Again, not COVID strong in her right mind, just gone and finished, finished her work. But she had planned to live to be 108 at least like her mother. But I had the privilege and the, um, the gift of watching my mother as an old person with her mother, who was obviously old, and my mother's sister. And I watched their dynamics. I watched my mother and her sister still trying to please my grandmother who could not be pleased. And my mother would hate that I'm telling you this. Anytime I'm giving a speech or a sermon, I'd say, oh, my mother's having a pain. And people would say, oh, what's wrong? I said, oh, no, she just knows that I've been standing long enough to tell you something real about who we are <laughs> as people. But I say that because I said to my mother, I said, mommy, I'm gonna tell you something. 
I love grandmommy. Um, I honor her. I mean, her journey, my grandfather died early. My grandmother raised, you know, kids on her own and all that stuff that we as black women can do. I said, but it's not okay that she harms people with her tongue. And if you think that being a good daughter means that I'm going to replicate this with you, fail me now. Wow. Fail me now. And so I say that because I could blame my mother if I wanted to, if she said something I didn't like, which sometimes she did. But what was my contribution to the suffering? It may have been that if I decided to take it and let it go because we're to honor our parents and all those things, which there is that there's truth in that, but there's a that's the scripture that says, honor your mother and your father that your days may be long. People do not know this. The very next line says, and parents provoke not your children to wrath. That's right. People are like, did you make that up? I'm like, no, it's there. <laughs> it's similar so to the women should be quiet parents. in the church. <laughs> well, right. I mean, honor your parents, but it's telling parents, don't piss your kids off. That's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there is a, a mutuality in respect. And so the real issue is that we ask if somebody's walking over you, then maybe the issue is not only them, but it is it is the way in which you participate, the way in which you go along to get along, the way in which you said yes to the uh, offer to have lunch time five when your feelings got hurt time one. So maybe the issue is mine about, I don't know how to protect myself. And that is the real thing to focus on, that I don't know how to take care of me. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.